0: He stepped into the hallway, then turned into an archangel who said the following to me Chill the fuck out!
1: Hello, Michelle.
0: Hi, Geordie.
1: Are you relaxed?
0: I am. Look at your lovely face. It's always
1: a highlight of my week. I can't look at my lovely face and I can't even look at your lovely face because you're in the dark. You're sitting there in the dark, Michelle. What's wrong? This
0: is what happens with lighting when you've got light behind the foreground goes dark.
1: Are we giving the listeners a little science test or something here? What's going on? They don't even know what's happening. Quickly, Michelle, introduce yourself. I'm Geordie.
0: And I'm Michelle and you are listening to eavesdropping
1: with no G. No G. It's a podcast.
0: That's why you're listening to it. Oh my God. (laughs) It's one of those days. It's weekly.
1: It's weekly. It's comedy, but it's also serious. It is a bit serious. It's factual, but not very much. (laughs) Because it's done by us and we're a bit fast and loose with the facts. Going back to
0: the idea of Sirius,
1: our episode
0: from two weeks ago. Well,
1: my goodness. What a response. We've got a lot of new listeners as a result of that deep dive you did, Michelle. Well done on that investigative journalism. Thank you.
0: I mean, I just read out some reports from the newspaper.
1: Back to the report. That's our new catchphrase. It really did seem to ignite some interest. Lots of new listeners now, so welcome, welcome to the podcast. Go back, listen to more episodes. We love it when you come along and we love it when you write in. And guess what? People are writing in. They are writing in. We've had some hot tips for new
0: episodes Shout out to Safka. We have got an episode coming up in the near future for you. So please listen in.
1: Absolutely. And guys, if you want to support us a little bit more, you can go over to our Patreon page, which Michelle will put a link to at the bottom of the episode notes, where you can contribute either just a little bit of a tip now and again, or you can actually sign up to get extra content.
0: And the other thing too is when you rate, review and like us, it really helps people find us. It really does. Oh, don't give me that face. Sorry. Oh, my God. Did I sound <laughs> really earnest? Who are you, Holly Willoughby? But do you know what? It's true. It's one of the key ways that people find us. And I really appreciate all our listeners. And I really would love them to get behind us. You know, get on to Google, get on to Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Acast,
1: which is our home. You know,
0: rate, review, share, like, all of that stuff. Spotify,
1: YouTube, we're on them all.
0: And you can actually, you know, subscribe as well because then you get your weekly eavesdropping just slotted into your inbox. It just flops right
1: in, doesn't it, Michelle? (laughs)
0: Just the tip. That's what flops. Stop (laughs) it. Filthy
1: bitch. Going back to that episode, that very serious episode. Now, I did have some recollections of my brief time in Canberra because I did live in Canberra for a few years. We're talking about the hometown murders episode here. The hometown murder episode where Michelle did a lot of deep diving into a murder that a listener wrote in to ask about and she couldn't find any info but michelle did well i had reflected on my time in canberra those green benches in grima place that we all used to hang out on because you'd spoken about kwambi which is a a young reform center reform center and i do remember some graffiti being written on it about a poor girl called fiona can't remember her last name probably good thing Don't sue me. And then I met that same girl in a night spot in Bateman's Bay. That was interesting. And do you remember I said it said something like Fiona blah blah fucks boys from Quombi? Well, actually, the first line of it was actually Fiona blah blah has syphilis and fucks boys from Quombi. Syphilis. S I (laughs) double for F L E T S. Syphilis. How do you even remember that? Because I'll never forget the way that syphilis was being written. Syphilis. I was like, is that supposed to be syphilis? She's got syphilis. Syphilis. What
0: do you think that could be? Syphilis. Yes, I know, but (laughs) if you had a syphilis. It's, it sounds like a little cute thing. Do you know what I mean? It's not cute. I can just see
1: an open wound. Oh, my God. What? Sorry. Kind of like weeping with pus. Yes. Jeez yes. Christ. Poor Fiona. She was a really nice girl. Do you know what?
0: I feel like poor listeners. What have you signed yourself up to here? I'm sorry. You have had just the tip and the syphilis
1: this morning. Um, well, syphilis. They're going to call it from now on. Syphilis
0: this episode. <laughs> Goodness me. So, well, I thought you were going to say Fiona, who fucked boys from Quamby, had written in saying... thanks for the shout (laughs) out
1: no and I'll never forget the time you pulled your onesie off and did a whole wee naked by the side of the road in Batemans Bay Main Street I don't know why you just didn't pull it to the side well it didn't occur to me back then that you could do such a thing
0: you know you felt like you had to get completely naked because that's what happens (laughs) with a onesie you end up if you're not wearing a bra because I have onesies where you can't wear a bra
1: I wasn't wearing a bra you're
0: basically naked
1: yeah naked. I was naked, yeah.
0: But back to this Hometown Murders episode. Back to the report. Back to the report, Jodie. I will say, I am feeling a little
1: nervous about it. Yeah, me too.
0: Because we did not identify the victim or the perpetrator in our report, but... You know, it could be possible that you
1: could. Don't sue us. That's it. Please don't (laughs) sue us. That's the bottom line. (laughs) I don't think that we did identify anybody in the story. So, as a result of that, if you know, you know. Yeah. So hopefully we haven't broken any laws. Michelle did try and get some media law guidance. Yeah, some law guidance, but we didn't get enough in time. Is that right? That's right. I mean, there was
0: no specific guidance on this because in the UK, once you turn 18 and you're an adult, all bets are off for your juvenile it's anonymity. So open season. So, yeah. And I had no guidance as to whether or not that was the case in Australia. Regardless, bottom line, support us on Patreon don't sue us that's the two ends of the uh, financial
1: scale here so if we need to take ourselves to court and oh. represent ourselves oh we can use that because also I had my my report from last week as well about the uh, TikTok Hampstead hopes that is all public knowledge mm. I didn't get anything from anywhere that wasn't public knowledge apart from the TikTok video that I saw in the first place But, you know, people do go to prison for a long time if they spread things that aren't necessarily true. So it's interesting to note. Also... Other feedback we had from more than one listener was about me matching up the guy who was defending our murderer from your story two weeks ago, Michelle, Ken Crispin. Yes. He was Justice Ken Crispin when he was presiding over the Anu Singh Joachinkwe mm. case, which we also cover. Go back and Google that. And he was actually the defense lawyer for the perpetrator in Michelle's story from two weeks ago. Interesting is all I can say. And that's all we can say on the matter. Yes, because otherwise, gonna get sued. We don't want to get sued. Don't sue us. Changing the subject quickly. Um, I have a little chart art for someone oh. who has begged me for a chart art, despite the fact that he has had them before. So perhaps Benjamin Cartel, you have missed a few, but this is for my dear, dear friend, old friend Benj, who is a regular listener and very enthusiastic. He is from New York City. And I'm just going to give him a little plug because his name is, yes, it's Benjamin Cartel. He's got a band called Benjamin Cartel or it's his backing band and he's also was in another band called Kaiser Cartel with an equally good friend Courtney Kaiser and you know both of these guys Michelle you bumped into them in Texas one time
0: that's right I was playing at South by Southwest and separately to
1: me knowing them yes
0: met them loved them absolutely wonderful people and big Big love and shout outs to both Ben and Courtney.
1: They are re releasing their March 4th album from 2010. 20, 2010? So it's about 10 years old, 12 years old. They're re releasing it. Have a listen. March 4th, Kaiser Cartel. It's really good. I love their music. I've got. Um...
0: Playlists with their songs on. I just think Courtney's voice is beautiful. and
1: Beautiful voice, you know the
0: music, everything. So yeah, I'll put some links you can check out. Kaiser
1: Cartel, wonderful. Well, that was awkward. 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 So I have a new show alert, Michelle. A wreck? A telly wreck? Well, it's kind of a wreck. It's kind of a TV recommendation. Yeah, you could call it that. I just happened upon it, and it's the sort of thing like. Rosemary and Time, If you remember that gentle detective series, it's not very riveting, but it was just right for that moment for me. And it is Sandy Toxfig's Extraordinary Escapes. And she goes away to these really beautiful homes. So you've got your interiors, you've got your architecture, Mm -hmm. you've got your nature, you've got your British Isles, you've got also Ireland as well, because the first episode I saw was Ireland, which is not the British Isles. And Comedy queens. So each week she teams up with Aww. a new comedy queen and they just spend a weekend exploring together. It's so nice. I loved it. This week she was with, it was actually Series 3, Episode 1, so she's done it before. This week that I saw, she was with Susie, formerly Eddie What? Izzard. Oh,
0: so Eddie's gone for, full...
1: Eddie, get this terminology Eddie's, right, Geordie. Eddie's gender is neither male or female. I th- oh, No, Eddie... Doesn't mind being called a woman or a man. He, she. It's non-binary. No, fluid. Not non-binary. It's either or. Fluid, gender fluid. I would say. So Susie is what Sandy called her all weekend. Okay, and she was dressed in her female attire and looking gorgeous. But most of all, it was their friendship, which was just so genuine. They were in County Clare in Ireland, and they visited seed and apple farms and stayed in these beautiful modern houses set into the hills. There was this sunken and, quite frankly, dangerous kitchen where um, Susie could stand on the side while little Sandy Toxvig was down in the kitchen making apple crumble and things. And then there was another more ramshackle house. It was just really nice, really gentle.
0: I like gentle. And in fact, I was watching... I don't even know how I found it, but it was this series called The Year I Turned Pretty. No, The Summer I Turned oh. Pretty. Oh, You know, it's set in some Hamptons or whatever, rich, rich family with another family who goes there every summer to the summer house. And, you know, it's like this coming of age, you know, teen, what's that genre, you know, the, the teen kind of Toy. genre teen know. writing fiction genre
1: anyway young adult or something
0: yeah ya ya young adult yeah. do you know what i love a bit of ya it takes me right back to when i was absolutely in love with Dawson's Creek it's that whole kind of oh. thing i love i love a ya series so when anyway. i was thinking
1: the outsider's when you said that that's how no. far back i go and that's why all my australian references are very 80s based Can I just finish telling you, though, about Sandy and and Susie? Yes. Because there was a moment in there, Michelle. Their friendship is just so beautiful and genuine. And Susie was was talking to Sandy about her mother who died of cancer and the love that she had for her mother and the way that she was talking. It was just so beautiful and genuine. And there was tears in my eyes. But then Sandy Toxvig, formerly host of QI, who knows stuff, she then went ahead and explained the stone tape theory which is a favorite of ours oh, and we've spoken is. about it before in the best possible way you've ever heard it being explained better than you or I have ever explained it which is that old stone has the capacity to record sound that we can't hear and it, it holds on to echoes of past conversations and feelings and and all of that kind of thing and if you're susceptible you can get it from the stone and some people that transpires as maybe ghostly or apparitions or voices or sounds. Like dogs can hear things. If you're tuned in to the stone,
0: if you have that ability. Wow. I love yeah. that. I absolutely love the way she explained that. That's brilliant. And I love her too. She's tiny, teeny, even smaller than me, but full of. <laughs> if that's possible.
1: <laughs> I'm joking, of course.
0: Do you know what? I think I'm actually getting smaller too.
1: You're shrinking.
0: Well, I was in Italy and I went to this wedding and. You know, I come from a very small family. (laughs) And we're all shrinking. We're all teeny tiny. My goodness. And I actually think I'm getting smaller.
1: How is that possible? How is that possible? Happens with age. No compress.
0: No. Don't want to hear that. Your bones compress. Oh well thanks for sharing that about Sandy.
1: That's my pleasure. That's
0: lovely. I'll I'll put a link to that. It sounds wonderful.
1: Eavesdropping, eavesdropping,
0: Well, I wanted to give a little shout out because... Short. <laughs> That's how it sounds. <laughs> short. Short. Oh, short. Oh my God. Look, eavesdroppers, people who've listened to us, they know that we love it when you write in. And they, we love it. This week's story that I'm going to talk to you about comes from longtime eavesdropper Lucy Beacon. Let's
1: hear it for the Beacon twins,
0: wee! And she writes that after hearing the episode on rock stars being visited by angels.
1: Oh yes, that was a good episode. Yes, yeah,
0: it was. Yes, uh, I don't remember how far back that was. Maybe like four or five ago. She wanted to share her story, and she writes one morning. I woke up as someone was knocking on the door. I got up, opened the door, and a policeman was there. He stepped into the hallway, then turned into an archangel. What? Who said the following to me Chill the fuck out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he then said he'd be watching me to check that I did, turned into a shadow on the wall, and what? then disappeared. Hang on, was she awake? She says, it was the most incredible, realistic dream, oh. brackets or visitation, Wow! that I have ever had. If I wasn't of a more scientific mind, I'd swear it was real. Kiss, kiss. Then P.S. To be fair on the archangel, it was good advice.
1: I was really stressed at the time. Whether it was an angel or her subconscious kind of manifesting it always knows what you need, Lucy. It does.
0: And look, I'd like to think it was a visitation and that we all have an arch or an archangel, 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 uh, looking out for us and helping us through when we need them. Yeah. And I did a little digging. There are some theories out there on the internet that there are such things as visitation dreams. Wow. And they are these intense, hyper-real dreams that are nowhere near how normal dreams feel. Mm. And for people who experience these kinds of dreams, they're normally about deceased loved ones, not policemen yes. coming to the door saying "chill the fuck out." <laughs> but when that happens, it does feel like communication with the dead. And in fact, there is a woman called Jennifer Shorter from the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology, which is now called Sophia University in Paulo. Alto in California. That sounds like an incense stick. It does, doesn't it? But that's um Santo. Anyway, for her doctoral project, she did something called Visitation Dreams in Grieving Individuals. A a phenomenological.
1: (laughs) I know this because I work with that word quite a lot in my training. We'll say it. Phenomenological. Phenomenological. I can't say it. Okay, yeah. (laughs) It's hard. Phenomenological.
0: Phenomenological.
1: There's an extra O in there. Phenomenological. Phenomenological. Phenomalo- I can't remember.
0: <laughs> you know what I, I do know what about. it means though. Anyway, it, she did this phenomenological <laughs> inquiry into the relationship between dreams and the grieving, and she identified these common elements of visitation dreams, which include things like the deceased person appeared as they were before they fell ill, or younger and more healthy than when they died, and that they reassured the dreamer with things. Like, I'm okay, I'm still with you. Wow. But it was conveyed telepathically or mentally yeah. rather than spoken. And that the dream structure wasn't disorganized or weird, but it was clear and vivid and intense and experienced as a real visit when the dreamer awakens. Wow. And with grief visitation dreams, the dreamer is always changed by the experience. Mm. And there's a resolution to the grieving process and sometimes like a wider spiritual perspective so lucy i don't know if your dream was a dream or if it was real and obviously i think you were told to chill the fuck out by an angel yeah yeah and for a reason but who knows back to this whole thing of like the story this week yeah lucy also has a slight obsession with missing persons
1: who who else does
0: we do we do she knew it and, it, you know, it breaks her heart. She's really, I think, a bit drawn to the sadness yeah. of the unknown Not deceased. knowing, exactly. And she sent me a link to a recent plea from Interpol to the world uh, via a new initiative called Operation Identify Me, oh. where police in three countries, Germany, Belgium, and the Netherlands are asking for help to identify 22 murdered women whose names to this day, Geordie, remain a mystery. What? Yes. Now, these murders go right back to the mid-70s up to 2019. Jesus. And it's the first time ever that Interpol has gone public with their black notices. Mm -hmm. A black notice is basically an alert seeking information on unidentified bodies and they are normally only circulated between police forces, countries,
1: internationally. Yeah, exactly. The Interpol network
0: of police around the world. But with Operation Identify Me, Interpol have honed in on 22 cold cases of murdered women that they are desperately seeking help with in order to try... To identify who these women are. Yeah. Because, you know, without knowing the names of
1: these women. Where can they start? Where can they trace? Yeah. You know, it's like a pin in a hay- What? A needle in a haystack. Needle in a
0: haystack. Yeah. Because the police cannot establish the exact circumstances of these women's deaths without even a name. And honestly, Geordie, like, I find this heartbreaking. I because do. Because someone out there. Must be missing, these women. You know, there are people out there, like a parent, a sibling, a best friend, a boyfriend. Maybe it's just not matched up somehow. Well, that's the whole point of this um, this Uh. Operation Identify Me. And that is exactly why Interpol have broken procedure in this instance. It's because there's this Dutch forensic detective called Karina van Leeuwen, I don't know how you really say it. Since 2005, she's been trying to solve the cold case of a woman who was put in the bin in Amsterdam oh my God. in 1999. She was shot in the head and chest and she had tried everything to identify this woman and everything came to a dead end. She had this idea and she and a colleague contacted police in Germany and Belgium, which are the Countries that neighbour and border Holland to see if that might turn up any leads. And it was at that point that she discovered so many more cases with unidentified women victims. She just knew she had to join the dots somehow between those three countries. So together, the police in Holland, Germany and Belgium put together this list of the 22 cold cases that they were most struggling to solve. And they went to Interpol to ask them to publish the details worldwide. Now, the Belgian police had seven cases, Germany had six, and the Netherlands had nine. And most of the unidentified women were aged between 15 and 30.
1: 15, Jordi. I know, that's not good. 15. Fucking heartbreaking.
0: And there's a quote from the Dutch forensic detective, Karina, who says, and these are her words, if you don't have a name, you don't have a story, you're just a number Mm -hmm. and nobody's a number. And she's right. Absolutely. All these women had lives. They had connections, they had friends and families to some extent, and then they disappeared either through some bad shit or wrong place, wrong time situation, who knows. But interestingly... In the Netherlands, almost all of the unidentified bodies of women appear to be murder cases, unlike unidentified men, who police say die in a range of circumstances. So basically, if you're a woman and unidentified, it's almost certain that you've been murdered. Whereas with men, it could be something else. And I'm thinking suicide, misadventure, you know, there's something else at play. But
1: unidentified. I mean it's still it's shocking. Nobody It is. Nobody's coming out of the woodwork looking for these people.
0: No one's reporting them missing. Because they're joining the dots between you know, missing persons reports and these women. There's no dots. There's Mm. no dots. One of the reasons Interpol has broken protocol to do this is because I'd said like these cases range from the 70s till 2019. In that time, the world has changed. Mm. Certainly in like Belgium, Germany, Holland, that part of Europe, people can go between those three countries really easily because there are open borders. We drive in and out of Switzerland all the time. I've never had to show my passport. So border crossings and border control, it, it's super easy. This means that these women may not be the nationality no, of the countries exactly. that their bodies were found in. Yeah. Plus these days, like global migration is way easier and it's massively increased. So there's that to consider. Mm-hmm. Plus, and this is really awful, but it's a fact of life. There has been a massive spike in human trafficking over the past decade or longer. So there could
1: be from even further afield. Exactly.
0: That's led to more people being reported missing outside of their national borders. Thing is, these women, as far as we know, were not reported missing. They were found, but not reported. But interestingly, um, there's a woman called Dr. Susan Hitchin, who is the coordinator of Interpol's DNA unit, And she says all of these factors, like easy border crossings, human trafficking, migration, they do obviously make identification of the bodies that much more challenging. She says that women are disproportionately affected by gender-based violence, including Mm. domestic violence, sexual assault and trafficking. And so I think when you put all that together, that's why they think these women were murdered in her words she she said this thing she said this operation aims to give back to these women their names and honestly that last line really moves me Yeah, me
1: too that's the very least that they'll end up with you know that's the yeah. very least that they need
0: yep because without a name you are just a number in the case file it's really sad, really sad. Yeah, at the burial ground, you are just a plaque with unidentified written on it. But if these women can be identified, you would hope that that might bring closure to the people who knew and loved exactly. these women.
1: This brings me to mind of, uh, do you remember, I think it was last year or year before, we did a story on, well, I, my story was about the King's Cross fire in uh, London's King's Cross, and that there were a couple of victims that were unknown but yeah. eventually, through DNA testing, they did eventually have a name for that unmarked grave. Yeah. They were homeless.
0: The loved ones out there for these missing women, in all likelihood, have nothing. Hmm. No closure. No peace. I think that it's really important, and obviously important enough for for Interpol to like break protocol sure. on this. The full list of these 22 women are available on Interpol's website, and- they include really specific details about the women. When you go on the, on the Interpol website, because they don't have a name, all of these cases are called things that sound like murder crime
1: novels. Oh, God.
0: You've got things like it sort of has the case number and then it has this description, the woman in the well.
1: Oh, my God.
0: There's one called the body in the bog. You've got the girl on the parking lot. Oh, Jesus. The woman with the flower tattoo. The woman by the motorway, the body in the carpet, the woman in the suitcase. It is like a library of sadness. And you can click on each of these women's cases, which will bring up all sorts of things like photos of the stuff that was found near the bodies, which could possibly help to
1: identify the women. Or identifying tattoos and things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Things like shoes, clothes, jewellery, like you say, tattoos. And in some cases the police have been able to create facial reconstructions wow. yeah using new kinds of like ai techniques and for example actually there's a case called the woman in the dam and when yeah. you click on her case you see a shoe a pair of socks and a red zipper that's all frayed attached to some decomposed white fabric and then you can see a close up pic of the shoe and the brand name on the shoe, oh. which is a brand called Cypress in size 37.5. Now, even that information will help police like pinpoint dates when that shoe maybe was in circulation. Mm-hmm. Um, we know the size of this woman's foot. There's actually a caption under the pic of the red zipper saying that the police think she was wearing red jeans from a brand called VOS Jeans. I've never heard of that, but maybe in whatever country Mm. this woman is from or was living, that might have been a popular brand at the time. They then show a picture of the dam and the lake where her body was found. And then there's a bullet point list of key info that they do know about the woman. For example, it says date of death estimated, between uh, 1994 and 1995. Wow. Date of discovery, 9th of May, 1996. Oof. So already...
1: They're closing in, yeah.
0: Yeah, they're closing in, exactly. What about DNA? Well, I don't know how much DNA they've got. Right, They will probably have to exhume the bodies. But yes, I imagine they are trying to do DNA searches. And honestly, with the whole 23andMe thing, it's a good point, Jody There are more and more people that you know, signed up to that. So maybe there could be some links. They've really
1: found some, through tenuous links, they found murderers. Yes, absolutely. And so I
0: think that, you know, with all of this information, I think Interpol are putting this online to hopefully try and trigger memories in people. And they want people to come forward with anything, any information. And then they've got um, things in this bullet list like location. So they give you the country and here it says... Uh, the Lake at the Foot of the Dam of La Tai in Freud-Chapelle. And I know I've said that completely wrong. Where but anyway. is it? Um, Belgium. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they give you like the county and everything. Right. And then it has like the sex, female, estimated year of birth. They think between 61 and 1971. Uh-huh. Estimated age between 25 and 35. Height between one sixty one seventy. 170. Then they've got things like the hair, skin and eye colour all undetermined and uh, a bit about the clothing. There were no tattoos, birthmarks or scars and no jewellery. But then there's a short paragraph outlining the case which in this case says that the dam where she was found is the largest dam in Belgium, and it's just a few kilometres away from the border with France. Mm. And that they think the body may have been in the water for up to one to two years. Then they go into the characteristics of the body, which in this case they mention that they think she was between 160 and 170 centimetres tall. So, okay, yeah, a metre 70. And that her left leg was two centimetres shorter than her right leg. Wow. I mean, that's pretty specific stuff. Yeah. You know, any friends who know someone whose leg is shorter, you know this shit about your friends, yeah. you know?
1: Well, my husband, as you know, is an osteopath. And I think he mm. quite often finds situations where somebody will have a leg a little bit longer or shorter than the other one. And really, no one apart from them, doctor or their osteopath or their chiropractor would know that but at two centimeters yeah
0: shit okay i thought that was really unique but maybe it's not i just
1: none of us us are symmetrical
0: no we're not honestly my face
1: (laughs) i look in the mirror and i'm like lopsided i can can i just say though that you have one strand of hair that is defying gravity on the side there wait no don't touch it it's just bump it's just like there
0: Sticking out.
1: Horizontal. It takes a few washes to get the beach out of my hair. I can see actually. My God. It's now flopping down a bit now you've touched it, but it was just straight out horizontally from your head. It's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. Do you think that's what people would say about me? She had horizontal
0: hair. (laughs) She was (laughs) lovely, but she had one hair horizontal to her head. We'd never sit down. When I was on the beach, Andreas was putting sun cream on the back of my legs, and he's like, you got three little hairs here. (laughs) just random ones it was mortifying were they curly (laughs) they weren't stray pubes Geordie you're disgusting I'm just wondering if they were traveling no no, not down towards the knee Back to know. this poor woman in the dad. Sorry. On the, yes. on the Interpol site, there's also a YouTube video. In English, this YouTube vid uh, summarises the details of the case, but it also gives a few new facts too. Like the woman was found at a depth of 37 metres, which to me Whoa. is like how
1: the fuck did they even find her? Yeah. She must have, oh, I hate to say it, but she must have decomposed enough to – I reckon she was wearing concrete shoes or something was tied around her waist Mm, or something.
0: Put a pin in that because that's coming up. And then they give the details of how you can contact Interpol. So it is really useful information. But this Dutch forensic detective, Karina, she is kind of amazing. Because, you know, she was the one that came up with this whole idea to join up the search for the identity of these women. And it all came about when she first visited the grave of the woman who was found in the bin. She went there in 2007 because she wanted to exhume the remains of the body, I guess, to see if there were any clues or maybe for DNA testing. It didn't really say in the report I read. She said exhuming that body really moved her. She just felt really sad by the idea that people can just be unknown and forgotten. Thing was that when she went to the cemetery keeper and was talking to him, he asked her what she planned to do about all the others. That was when she was like, fuck, this is a big problem, you know, with unidentified bodies, loads of them. And it really lit a fire within her. And since then, This woman, Karina, has gone on to identify 41 people from all different areas. Yeah, She's amazing. Who were unidentified. She said, no matter how long it took to identify them, they all had someone who missed them. Even if it's 25 years later, Mm -hmm. people are very happy to have something that they can bury and pay their respects to. And she says she will never give up on the woman in the bin or the others that she's investigating. Out of those 41 unknown bodies that Karina identified in the Netherlands, only four of those bodies were Dutch people from the Netherlands. The rest were all from countries around Europe and the rest of the world who were found in the Netherlands. But that's also why she really believes that working with the police across different borders is the only way way. to identify these 22 really hard-to-crack cold cases. And, you know, why Operation Identify Me is appealing to the public. For example, the woman with the flower tattoo, the police released a photo of the tattoo, and it's really distinctive, Geordie. It's a black flower with yellow edges on the petals and an orange centre with green leaves on either side. Mm. And there's one of those kind of like scrolly banners underneath the flower, yeah. and it says, R apostrophe Nick, N-I-C-K. What I think is if you know this tattoo, then you know who that person is because it's really unique. And she had a tattoo back in 1992 when she obviously was found. You know, women, it wasn't so common back then in 92 for women to
1: have tattoos. Although that's the year I got my tattoo.
0: Yes, but it's not like now where every kid has a tattoo. You know, it's like if you don't have a tattoo, that makes you special. When before having a tattoo made you a little bit, you know
1: different different
0: and it's not like that anymore so she obviously you know had a tattoo uh, with that name on it and for me it's really interesting that they are releasing this stuff which previously would only have been in the case file to try and get her identified she was found lying against a grate in a river in antwerp in 1992 and the police say she was had been killed violently But they obviously never knew her name. But back to the woman in the bin from 1999, her body is now in a cemetery in central Amsterdam in an area that's close to a train line and only reserved for the unidentified. And like I said, they have these little small plaques that stick out of the ground with the word unidentified deceased because they don't have a name. But with this case, the woman was found by a local guy called Jan Maja because he'd gone out onto his boat to bring in a wheelie bin that his neighbour had spotted floating in the river near his house. Oh, my God. Yeah, on the outskirts of Amsterdam. And he was kind of being a bit of a good Samaritan. But the thing is, when he grabbed that wheelie bin and tried to tie it to his boat to bring it in, it was Mm, way heavier, yeah, than he expected. And trigger warning here, as more of the bin came up to the surface of the water, there was a really bad stench and when he looked more closely at the wheelie bin, he saw it was nailed shut.
1: Oh, God. And honestly, Geordie, I know. That's
0: awful. But I think it was a blessing for this poor guy, Yarn, because, you know, he could not open it, and obviously oh, we know what was inside. Yeah. So Yarn called the police. When they opened it up, the officers found, weirdly, bags of washing powder stacked on top of concrete, and when they huh? tipped the bin upside down, That's when the body fell out. And I told you to put a pin in this thing of concrete, this idea of concrete before. Yeah. One of the hands was partly encased in concrete. Jesus. And look, I say body here, but it wasn't a body because one of the police officers who saw it at the time said it was like a sand sculpture. Oh. Yeah, it had gone weird. And there was no way of looking at that body and knowing whether or not it was a man or a woman. But obviously the investigation did establish that it was a woman, most likely in her twenties, partly European, partly Asian. And they released info about her clothes and shoes. They still couldn't identify her, but they did through Interpol. Now you can see the information, which she was wearing a gold watch. She had a snake skin print bag with her That was also found in the bin with some men's clothing, Mm. which they think belonged to the
1: killer. What a mystery. Yeah. And it's so sad for that life wasted. I
0: know. I know. But since 1999, there have been forensic advancements and recently using isotope analysis, which is where chemicals are used to identify things like... The diet that someone ate. Yeah. Because the food that you eat, the water you drink, the
1: air you breathe. It can place you.
0: Yes, exactly. And narrow down at least where you're from. And they've narrowed it down to this woman being from the Netherlands, Germany or Luxembourg Mm -hmm. or Belgium, which is amazing. But no suspect was ever questioned in
1: connection with this case. The Benelux region.
0: Exactly. But maybe, Geordie, one of our eavesdroppers will know something. Maybe. And I will link the shit out of this Interpol stuff. So
1: helpful, you guys out there. So have a look at the links. That's amazing, Michelle. Thank you so much. That's incredible. And, of course, thank you to Lucy Beacon who sent that idea for that story in. See, we do do things that you ask us to. Smash it! We smashed it. We smashed it. Smashed it out of the park. Smash it! Right. So my story this week has come to me via The Times and it's kind of current, but I'm going to tell you that it actually took place last year. And this is from a report from The Sunday Times. Like I said, The Sunday Times. And it was in January that 44 year old Brazilian actor, Jeff Machado, went missing never heard of him well no because you're not from brazil but he was a famous soap opera actor and he was in all those popular telenovelas and he was very handsome and successful and in fact he had recently appeared on screen in brazil in this biblical themed series called kings that's not the brazilian name for it that's the (laughs) english name for it he was playing a roman soldier and at the time it made him a huge star everybody knew him he was also known locally as a big animal lover as well particularly dogs and he had eight english setters which are absolutely stunning if you think of those beautiful red setters with their red hair and their lovely soft coat these are english setters which are different colorways i think are they really big no they're average size
0: oh okay i'm thinking of a different type of
1: dog yeah. i don't know my dogs uh so they were all over his social media and he also he had them named after all different brazilian music stars no one that you'd know. Not Shakira, Michelle. But they had people like... And uh, not Gilberto. Jill, and by the way, did you know R.I.P. Astrid Gilberto, the beautiful girl from Ipanema singer, passed away oh, recently. She hung out with Margarita Prakatán. Prakatán.
0: I don't know where RP she's from. Up in the from. big wide
1: stage of... Don't think Prakatán was Brazilian. Sky. But no. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Moving on. On January the 31st in 2022, eight days after the actor was last seen... Some of his dogs were spotted roaming around the streets near his home, hungry, distressed. And that made people alarmed because everybody knew they were Jeff's dogs. And where's Jeff? Because he Mm -hmm. bloody adored those dogs. Something was amiss. They had been microchipped. So when people then discovered that these were his dogs, a lot of his friends got wind of it. They got in touch with him straight away to let him know that his pets had escaped and they were messaging him. Now, All of these friends received messages back from Jeff saying things like he'd gone to Sao Paulo for a few days and he'd also been updating his Instagram at the time as well. So it seemed like Jeff was a-okay, just something had gone wrong with whoever was looking after his dogs. So his Instagram would be saying things like, with a couple of photos of himself saying things like he was restarting and grateful and all this kind of thing. What? What? Oh, my God. Okay. Now we're going to flip forward to May 2022. Mm. Investigators digging in the garden of a house in the west of Rio de Janeiro, owned by Jeff, discovered an antique chest with his body inside. Now...
0: I knew it was coming. Trigger warning,
1: trigger warning. This is what happened to Jeff. He had been strangled. His hands and feet had been tied with tape <gasps> and a steel cable was wound tightly around his neck.
0: Oh, God. Oh, God.
1: An arrest was made. A guy called Gianda, don't know if that's how you pronounce it, Vinicius Da Silva Braga, who's also known as just Da Silva or Braga, but we're going to call him Gianda from now on just to stop the confusion. He confessed to participating in Jeff's murder. Participating. There was another man. He was also accused of being involved and that's a guy who used to be a, pre- a television producer and his name was Bruno Rodriguez or Bruno de souza rodriguez again we're just going to call him bruno from now on he had been renting that house where the body of jeff was found jeff's jeff owned the house bruno was renting it he had not been arrested though michelle because he's on the run he's not handed himself in they now believe that jeff had been murdered before the social media posts and that they were probably written by the killer. Because in February 22, Machado's mother, Maria, and a close friend called Patricia had both been chatting with who they thought was Jeff by text message. This is in February. Yeah, Something didn't seem right. Something was off. He would never send a voice message, which he must have been prone to doing. And Mm. the reactions to anything that they'd said about his dogs were just not as passionate as Jeff would normally have been. So these two women became very suspicious. Yeah. But then the worry really set in when they realized that the location tracking services on jeff's phone had been disabled shortly after he disappeared in january right okay so eventually an investigation was launched and bruno rodriguez was prime suspect due to the fact that he was a long-standing acquaintance of jeff's and it turned out that he had been trying to get money from jeff in return for the promise of acting work in the future. Oh. Money had changed hands. Right. And days after Jeff's disappearance back in January, Bruno Rodriguez tried to sell both Jeff's car and house <gasps> as an urgent sale with a massive discount. Oh
0: my God. Okay. I mean, that's alarm
1: bells right there. Right. Exactly. Jeez. So when potential buyers would ask why the house was being sold so quickly, they were told that it was Jeff's and he had to move to another part of Brazil for work. Cheek. I know how cheeky Bruno even showed Jeff's brother Diego around the house which was obviously the location where he was killed but that was while he was missing still presumed mm. alive and Jeff's brother Diego took a video because they were worried about the brother Jeff's brother Diego turned up had a chat to Bruno said let's have a look around the house
0: why didn't he say why the fuck are you selling my brothers have you got a, uh, any kind
1: of written statement here Authorized. I don't think he was aware possibly he wasn't mm. aware that was going on But he noticed, Diego noticed there was a strange smell in the house and that his brother had left his toothbrush behind. So things are not stacking up. At the time, Bruno seemed unemotional, casual even. And that's when the men both reported the disappearance to the police. Police are now utterly convinced that Jeff Machado was murdered by one or both of either Bruno or Gianda Mm. and or. On the 23rd of January, 2022. And Jeff's brother, Diego, when he realized this, was appalled at the fact that he remembered Bruno taking him around Mm. and came with him to the fucking police station to report Jeff missing after taking him on that tour of the house. We hear this a lot. Brazen. Yeah, absolutely. That,
0: you know, people who are trying to deflect attention... Get
1: themselves immersed yeah they do they that's the perfect way to say it well done in plain sight recently bruno rodriguez sent a statement whilst in hiding to the globo news network which i believe is the big main network of news in brazil mm-hmm. and i think it's also where he used to work as well globo is quite massive he was denying that he had anything to do with the murder of the actor but gave an explanation of what happened oh. and bruno's explanation is that They, he and Gianda had both filmed a pornographic film with Jeff on the day of his death. And that there was a third person in the house called Marcello. Okay. And Marcello was the guy that murdered Jeff because he didn't see that happen because he'd left the room after the sex tape was made and gone downstairs to the ground floor. Police aren't buying it, Michelle. They believe the Marcello is made up by Rodriguez, by Bruno Rodriguez as as a a cover up. up. Where's that sex tape? Exactly. And not only that, but Gianda, who is in custody, said Marcello never existed. And he told investigators that well, there was no sex with them all. No, that of just course never not. Happened. No, 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 no. No sex tape, nothing. Yeah. They're
0: trying to slander his name and trying to make out like, oh, you know, it was an embarrassing situation Fake Marcello did it all.
1: I mean, yeah, it's that exactly. oh,
0: come on, bullshit.
1: I call bullshit. you call him bullshit. The police are calling bullshit too because Gianda has said that the murder was all carefully planned by Bruno the year before. Oh, no. <gasps> yeah, the year before, which will be 2021 because, obviously, Jeff died January 22. So it must have been that previous year he'd been planning it. He got himself involved in Jeff's life through his television network connections, promised him work, sleezed on in there, rented his house from him. His plan was to steal all of Machado's possessions and that no sex was involved. And it's alleged that after the murder, the killers put Jeff in that trunk. That's what Gianda says happened.
0: Premeditated. Mm. Really
1: meticulous planning yeah. there. From Cheers. in Jeff's house, in the trunk, they then transported his body and dug a six-foot hole in the rented property that Bruno was renting from Jeff. So how did the police, I wonder, connect the dots to
0: look for a dug-up hole?
1: Well, it wasn't a dug-up hole because a few days later they also employed a contractor to concrete over the area. Oh, it fuck. was under concrete. Okay,
0: so it wasn't even like you could see that there'd been a dug-up hole no. that had
1: been filled in. Nope. and different... covered up. Do you know what? This is shades of Lynn Dawson. Exactly. They, they arrested Gianda Hisang is what I think happened. So both Gianda and Bruno in absentia have been formally charged with the murder and the concealment of a body. So as of the beginning of June this year, I tried to find any updates as to whether or not uh, Bruno has handed himself in. And June, 2023, there was a press conference where Bruno Rodriguez's defense team said that they didn't know if their client would surrender, but that he has been cooperating with police by telling them bullshit, stories despite still being on the run so that's not cooperation in my that's not cooperating exactly just spilling off a whole bunch of bullshit dickhead people were wanting to know what happened to those dogs well sadly out of the eight dogs that were missing seven were found but two unfortunately did die and after they were found and jeff's body was eventually discovered in may They were then taken to new homes, which were approved by Jeff's family. And just one last parting shot about this very sad fucking story of a fantastic, talented man who sadly passed away because of two very underhand men. A family member and close friend has taken over Jeff's account on Instagram and posted recently saying Jefferson, which is his full name, Jefferson was brutally murdered by jealous, evil and, of course, unscrupulous people. And that is the sad end to the talented Jeff Machado, Brazilian soap star. Oh, God, poor Jeff. He didn't deserve that end. No one deserves that end. No, and justice still hasn't been done because Bruno, what's his name, Rodriguez, is still on the run.
0: Yeah, he's on the run. I mean, come on, let's face it. He ain't giving himself up voluntarily.
1: No, he knows no. It, he's done for, really. If he, if he he's does.
0: with Melissa Caddick. Are they together? They're together, they're hanging out, just talking about their various crimes. What are they living on? She's got all the money. She's taken the money. Where is that money? She's got it on that Brazilian... Or in a hand. I don't know, in the rainforest. <laughs> no, look, they've never found that money. It's gone. I mean, a lot of it was spent. And, you know, there was obviously some
1: in bank accounts with Melissa's situation, but no, it got spent. If you're unsure, dear listener, about what we're talking about, mm. then God knows why, because Michelle mentions Melissa Caddick very frequently. That's the Austra- missing Australian fraudster, missing presumed dead, now officially by the police, whose foot was found sometime after her disappearance, after she was discovered to be fraudulently rinsing her family and friends of millions
0: millions and millions also i did make mention of uh, lynn dawson and for one who yes missed that reference she again is a, another australian missing person well actually they have charged the husband with with her with murder. her murder but her body has but never been found
1: we have talked about it but only in retrospect of listening to the fabulous podcast by the australian the newspaper, the australian called teacher's pet and if you haven't listened to that and you like serious docu style podcasts go listen see more recommendations for you i know but don't stop listening to eavesdropping because we need you we love you
0: we do love you and we love you even
1: more when you rate share like subscribe and when you write in we love that Or even pop a penny in the Patreon. Pop a penny in the Patreon. I can hear a new jingle coming. We haven't done one for a while. No. We've got to do that. And
0: uh, you do know that you can also ask us to write you a jingle for a fee. Get in touch. Yes. For a loved one. You can have an eavesdropping jingle. For a certain
1: amount monthly we'll be offering your own personalized jingle which you can use anytime you like or you can buy it for a friend exactly what a great birthday gift
0: on that note Jordy, thank you yes. so much for your incredible story i feel thank you very for yours. saddened i feel very saddened
1: it's been a bit sad we've been a bit sad so guys i think we might have to lighten it up next episode what do you say michelle
0: I think so. I think we've got to find some...
1: Love and laughter.
0: Supernatural or weird Live, stuff. love, love. Live, love, love. Oh, don't say that.
1: Live, love, love. I know it's not what you always say. I know you don't have it like in words above your kitchen. Oh, I do have a listener who does have that. Oh, shit. We love you, Ron. It's great to have live, laugh, love in your kitchen. Well, look, I think uh, before we put our foot in it any further... Time to go. There's only one
0: thing to yes. say, Jordy.
1: And that would be wherever you are... Whatever
0: you do... Just keep eavesdropping. Eavesdropping, dropping, 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 dropping,
1: dropping, 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 dropping,